gluten sensitivities, how many people have them, right? Is it the gluten or is it something else? Well, are there proteins other than gluten? Oh, I can assure you, uh, there's over 20 other glutens, or I'm sorry, proteins other than gluten that you may be unknowingly reacting to. Oh, and by the way, eight people, only one in eight actually has gut symptoms after eating these proteins. However, they get a lot of symptoms for days and they would never know it. All right, we're gonna talk about a test you can take in this episode, but also we're gonna talk about something that Harvard is now talking about. Look, you need to know this information, check out the episode. Hey, I wanna tell you about one of our sponsors, Cytodetox. Look, podcasts cost money. There's a lot of production uh, going around this, but uh, we are grateful to have Cytodetox as one of the sponsors. It's so easy for me to talk about the product because myself and my family use it constantly as we practice what I preach. For over 15 years, I've talked about and taught doctors and the public about cellular detox. And I'll tell you, Cyto was a breakthrough. Cyto was a breakthrough for us. Um, and it's changed so many lives. So we're grateful that they sponsor Cellular Healing TV. It makes sense, doesn't it? They should. If you're listening to this podcast and want to access the amazing Cyto Detox product Dr. Pompa just mentioned, please visit detoxoffer.com. Again, that's detoxoffer.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cellular Healing TV. I'm Ashley Smith, and today we welcome Dr. Tom O'Brien. As an internationally recognized, admired, and compassionate speaker focusing on food sensitivities, environmental toxins, and the development of autoimmune, Dr. Tom teaches that recognizing and addressing the underlying mechanisms that activate an immune response is the map to the highway towards better health. I love anytime Dr. Tom and Dr. Pompa have a conversation, and today is no different. So let's get started and welcome Dr. Tom O'Brien and Dr. Pompa to the show. Welcome, both of you. Welcome, Tom. Well, you you know, yeah, gosh, uh, international. He's international living. I mean, uh, from Italy, uh, just gets out of Italy at the right time before the virus and ends up and even, I don't know, I, I think even a better place, I, I, I think, uh, you know, there in Costa Rica, I mean, come on, I mean, what a better place to be right now. <laughs> but you're there, man. I, I, t- I said before we got on, I said, I tell everyone about you, Tom. Unfortunately, I'm not telling everyone about your wonderful research. I'm telling everyone about the places you live. No, I do tell everyone about well, your you. research, you know. Thank but, you so much. Yeah, and, and we just recently, um, had you on my doctor group uh, that I train. And uh, I'll tell you, it's probably going to be uh, one of the top three favorite training calls this year for them. They love the information so much so that I wanted to bring it directly to our viewers and listeners on Cell TV. Uh, You and I resonate over a lot of the same uh, topics, right? Uh, Environmental toxins, how it's destroying people's health, driving autoimmune, chronic inflammation. Uh, you just told me something about inflammation that shocked me is what they're actually teaching at Harvard. Besides just giving steroids and uh, removing the symptom of inflammation, they're actually looking at causative factors. I'm sure you'll talk about that. Um, and also uh, this topic today, I, I wanted to bring to our viewers because 
I, I think it's one of those um, misunderstood causative factors of autoimmune, which is again, another favorite topic of mine, because I feel most people that don't feel well have some underlying autoimmune for new listeners. That means your body's attacking itself, driving chronic inflammation. You're just not diagnosed, right? Because a lot of the testing is in the stone ages, but yet so many people don't feel well, their body's immune system is attacking itself. They have low good immunity and hyperimmunity. Bad combination today in today's day and age. But Tom, you brought, you're bringing and have done a, a, a new study and a, well, wrote a new paper that our viewers will maybe be able to get access to. But um, on this topic, let, let's just jump right in for the sake of time. What the heck are we talking about? What's driving chronic inflammation? Well, you know, um, thank you. And the, for all of us to get a grasp of how come our health isn't the way we want it to be. Right. It's, it's my, my basic premise is that we have to understand how we got to where we are so that we can rationally start moving away to a healthier state of being. I agree. That we, we all grew up believing, take this pill, take this uh, medication, take these vitamins, do this diet, and you'll be healthy and live a long and vital life. And uh, that's been drilled into us uh, and it doesn't work. It's it, it, makes, it makes the pharmaceutical industries lots and billions of dollars and uh, certainly helps get, keep your blood pressure down a little bit, but it doesn't deal with the cause of blood pressure, you know, or any of the other medications that are so common for looking at the cause. That, so how do we get to where we are? So if, if our body's not working the way we want it to, the question is why? And unless it's a trauma, like a car accident or you fell down and you broke a bone, an acute trauma, if it's not an acute trauma, then it's a chronic condition that's been building up over time. And when things build up over time, it's what you said, Dr. Pampa, about autoimmune conditions and people just don't know. That we know, for example, Alzheimer's is a decades long disease, or decades of inflammation in your brain, killing off brain cells, killing off brain cells, killing off, and you don't feel any of that. Right. And now we have tests that can identify that early, you know, that um, cardiovascular disease is a decades long process. Rheumatoid arthritis is decades of developing before you ever have a symptom, that the inflammation in your body is damaging certain areas, usually determined by your genetics. But it's the inflammation that's the gasoline on the fire that's causing the weak link in your chain. If you pull at a chain, it always breaks at the weakest link. It's at one end, the middle, the other end. You pull, it's gonna break at the weak link. And that could be your heart, your brain, your liver, your kidneys, wherever the genetic weak link is. So the rule is don't pull on the chain so hard. Yeah. And what does that mean? You know, it means reduce the inflammation in your body. And to do that, we have to identify where is the inflammation coming from? And we think about foods, but we only think about foods if we have some gut symptoms, if we have some kind of stomach upset or belching or bloating or cramping or constipation or diarrhea. But we know with wheat, for every one person, that has gut symptoms from eating wheat, there are eight that don't. 
they've got brain symptoms or joint symptoms or skin symptoms. So you start breaking out in a rash and you never think it's what you ate yesterday that may have been the straw that broke the camel's back and now the rash is showing on your skin. You know, you, you just don't think about it. If you don't have gut problems, you don't think that food could be a problem. Turns out it most often is that the most common source of gasoline on the fire is what's on the end of your fork. Yeah, and I think a problem with that is, is that it's a lot of, I'll put quotes around it, healthy foods that could be setting you off, right? That's and right. I can tell you from dealing with many autoimmune clients myself, that's typically the case. I mean, they have suffered many years, right? And most of them started probably in the medical side of things and realized in quick order that, okay, that's not helping, right? I mean, there's a time and a place as you pointed out, right? But, you know, that's not helping. Then they end up in the alternative world where they're juggling a lot of different things and supplements, right? And they've done a lot of very good diets. Many of the people are very disciplined on their diets, unknowing to them that there's something they could be eating that is triggering their own body attacking itself. And that was part of the paper that I referenced that you showed. And you already, I just want to emphasize this point, you know, just so everyone hears it again, because many of you are going to say, my digestion's fine. Eight symptoms, have no digestive symptoms that could be reacting to a protein in food that's driving your own immune system to cause inflammation. And therefore the symptoms that you're not associating with you know, your, your gut or a food that you're eating. Only one out of that uh, will have that. So that opens up a lot of uh, people. So uh, look, I think in today's day and age, Tom, um, uh, gluten, I'm eating gluten-free, but uh, many of these people are still getting some of these proteins and still reacting unknowingly to them. So maybe it's not just about gluten. You know, there was a study that came out that I grab onto talking about. Uh, it came out three years ago in the British Medical Journal. And because it, we are all so guilty of this, every single one of us, not only doctors, but lay people that want to get healthier, we all are guilty of this. They took people who were for capital punishment and against capital punishment, two different groups. And they gave both groups an article that was favorable for capital punishment. The group that was for capital punishment, when they read the article, said, that's really sound research. And the group that was against capital punishment, when they read the article, they found flaws in the research. Then they gave them another article that was against capital punishment. And it was the same thing. The people against capital punishment thought it was a well-done research article. And the people that were for capital punishment found flaws in the research. So you're always going to come up against that. You know, and you may hear your doctor or a health practitioner say, you can find studies that, to say whatever you want. Of course. Right? And, and that's why. But what they're teaching at Harvard Medical School right now, what they're teaching in gastroenterology and also in immunology, your immune system, that there are five different factors involved in the development of all chronic inflammatory diseases. Five different factors. The first one is your genetics. Mm -hmm. Can't do anything about that. But genes don't turn on and turn off. Genes 
are on a dimmer switch. And what you, the goal is, is to figure out how do I dim down the genes of inflammation and how do I turn up the genes of anti-inflammation? And there's lots of good science about all of that yep. with foods and environment. Mm -hmm. Genes are the first one. The second one are the environmental triggers that affect the genes, affect the dimmer switch. And that's food and air. Our, uh, our friend, Dr. Dale Bredesen, who wrote the book, The End of Alzheimer's, tells us of the five different types of Alzheimer's, the most common type is called inhalation Alzheimer's. And that's 60 to 65% of the people that develop Alzheimer's, it's what they're breathing over years that causes the inflammation in the brain. So, you know, the environmental triggers are not just foods, it's the air that you're breathing, it's the emotions your body produces, because those are internal triggers, uh, stress hormones. Uh, but this, the second one is the environmental triggers, and we have to learn which ones are a problem for us. The third one is that the environmental triggers alter the microbiome, the good guys in the gut, the good bacteria in the gut, and you develop what's called dysbiosis, meaning out of balance, that the bacteria in your gut and the viruses in your gut are out of balance. Environmental triggers cause dysbiosis. When you have this out of balance gut, it creates inflammation in the gut, which causes number four, the leaky gut. Mm -hmm. And when you get the leaky gut, these large molecules, because when we eat food, our enzymes act as scissors to break the food down smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until the food particles are so small, they fit right through the lining of the inside of the gut, the tube, they go right through the lining and through the wall into the bloodstream. I often say that uh, the inside of the lining of the gut is lined with cheesecloth. And that when you have dysbiosis, the inflammation, you tear the cheesecloth. And that's called leaky gut because you get these larger molecules that haven't been broken down small enough yet that now get through the tear in the cheesecloth and get in the bloodstream they're called macromolecules, which activates number five, the fifth pillar, which is systemic immune response to the macromolecules that are going in the bloodstream now. So your immune system trying to protect you fights these molecules and creates inflammation that travels through your entire body. So that's the five pillars that every medical student is now being trained at Harvard to include in their line of thinking as to where is this problem coming from? So, because it's such a great analogy, and I mentioned it before we uh, turned on the cameras, that they're being trained now, there's two lines of thinking they have to do. The one that's historic, that every doctor's trained on, presenting complaints, what do you do to get the presenting complaints down? Get them feeling better, save their life. That's they, everybody focuses on that. But now there's a second line of thinking that is where is the inflammation coming from that cause the presenting complaints? So our top of the line medical doctors are now being trained on that. Which and that's what shocked we me. all have to be thinking about. Yeah, I mean, it shocked me. I'm, I'm happy to hear that, by the way, yeah. you know, but 
The problem is, what will they do about it? Because the system's not really set up. Exactly right. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's funny because you see that environmental toxins affects the, you know, turns on or upregulates certain genes, downregulates good ones. It affects the microbiome, drives the leaky gut, creates an immune response, right? You know, this is, I drew this in a thing right before this one. This is my yeah. three-legged stool of autoimmune, right? And why people are getting sick. You have a gene that gets upregulated that says DNA, right? You have a stressor, physical, chemical, or emotional, that right. turns on the gene that has to be dealt with, right? right. Is the right. medical field able to deal with that? You know, it's not, not yet. Doctor, it's not. It's not, not yet. No, it's not yet is a good positive thought. And then here's the microbiome, right? That also has an impact on the DNA, right? right. And then this has an impact on the microbiome, right? So you have the stressors right. that impact microbiome, the gene. So what is the analogy of the three-legged stool? All have to be there for the immune system to be at this activated, uh, right? Um, you know, I'm laughing at your drawing because I saw a cartoon once of a guy that takes a three-legged stool and hands it to the nurse, hands it to a nurse, and she says, I'm sorry, that's not the stool sample I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> because stool samples are so important. They're such an important tool to understand what's going on inside the tube, inside the gut. Yeah. What's the bacteria like? They're critically important as a tool to understand what's going on. Well, and let's talk about that because, okay, um, I said that we're going to talk about this, one of these uh, stressors that are unidentified and, and everyone is familiar with gluten. However, there's 20 some other proteins that your people probably aren't familiar with that until recently, we really didn't have the technology or at least accurate technology to measure these. Right. And now we do, and it, it is a, a stool analysis and we're actually looking at the body's response to these proteins. So talk a little bit about that because you were a big part of making, uh, you know, being a part of bringing this test. Yeah, thank you. Well, uh, uh, historically, when you're checking for, I'll, I'll use the example of wheat because that's a critical, everyone talks about a gluten sensitivity uh, uh, and it's real, but we know that there are 62 different components in wheat that can trigger an immune response, not just gluten, that's right. there are 62, but almost all doctors, when they test for a wheat sensitivity, they test for gluten. And that's, uh, uh, the technical term is alpha glidin. And it's a good test but 50% of celiacs don't have ele elevated levels of alpha glidin. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Celiac is certainly a problem with wheat. That's the one autoimmune disease we know, but the test for gluten is negative, right? Well, why is that? Because it's only one of 62 things that the immune system reacts to, right? And, but okay, well, why are we only testing one? That's the million dollar question. And I've been asking that question for many, many years because we've known that there's other compounds in wheat that trigger an immune response. They're called amylase trypsin inhibitors. It's the part of the plant that kills bugs that try to eat the wheat. The amylase trypsin inhibitors in nanogram amounts, which means a billionth of a gram. The amylase trypsin inhibitors, they get in the bug's gut and they cause severe leaky gut and the bug dies. And, and so it's a genetic 
of development inside of wheat to try to protect wheat. Uh, amylase trypsin inhibitors, there's wheat germ agglutinins, which are the lectins in wheat. We've heard a lot about lectins and they're a problem for some people and they are. Well, the lectin in wheat is called wheat germ agglutinin. So you may not have a gluten problem, you've got a wheat germ agglutinin problem, but if you don't test for it, you'll never know. So the tests are now available and there's two laboratories that really um, stand out as being on the cutting edge. The first one opened up 11 years ago called Cyrex, C-Y-R-E-X. And their test looks at 10 different peptides of poorly digested wheat. And they, that's their test number three, array number three. And they have a test array number five, which looks at 24 different tissue antibodies to see if you've got an autoimmune mechanism going on right now. And that is, well, I wanna see if there's a problem. Do I have inflammation killing off tissue in my body right now? Well, this is the test and it's shocking when you get the results back. Well, my, my grandfather died of that and that, I've got those antibodies now, but I feel fine. I just feel fine. Well, that's because we're catching it early. That's called predictive autoimmunity. We're identifying it before you've killed off enough tissue that now you have symptoms. So that's array number five from Cyrex. And those tests came out 11 years ago and thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people have gotten really good information from that. The other laboratory is Vibrant Wellness and they opened in 2015, I believe. And their test looks at um, 28 components of wheat, not just one and not 10, but 28. And their autoimmune test for the brain, as an example, looks at 48 different antibodies to your brain. Now we haven't found one person whose immune system is functioning well. That's the only criteria for the blood test. You have to make sure your immune system's working. It's not worn out and depleted. Uh, and that's by looking at total immunoglobulin levels. It confirms, okay, you're, you're making enough immunoglobulins to protect yourself. So what are you making to fight your own body right now? Yeah, meaning if your immunity is so low, it would look like you're not reacting to anything and everything's clear, but it's because right. you have faulty immunity. Exactly, exactly. And it, that's a misdiagnosis that so many people get. They're told, oh, look, your immune system's fine. It's not fighting any of these foods, but their immune system is so depleted that it can't rally anymore. And if you don't look at the total immunoglobulin levels, you miss these people. And you have to look to their history, recurrent colds and flus, or uh, have they had a number of infections in their life, um, prescriptions for antibiotics, things like that, that might suggest their immune system historically hasn't been quite working up to par. You know, you, you, you really have to search. But the, the brain autoimmunity test is so important to do, so important. The, the two tests that I do for every patient, always these two, is called the wheat zoomer, mm -hmm. because you zoom in on the problem, and the neural zoomer plus that looks at 48 antibodies to the brain. And why do we do that? because Blue Cross Blue Shield came out last year and they published a, uh, a booklet that says, hey, we, we got a problem here. Between 2013 and 2017, in four years, the diagnosis of Alzheimer's in 30 to 45 year olds went up 407% in 
four years, 2013 to 2017, it went up 407% that people are getting sicker much earlier in life now. And it's because of the, our bodies are so inflamed we're, and we don't feel it. You just don't feel when you've got elevated antibodies to your brain. So we do the NeuroZoomer Plus and we haven't had one come back negative yet on a first test, not one. And uh, as part of what I teach is that the brain is the canary in the coal mine. Mm. And back in the 1800s, coal miners used to take a canary in a cage yeah. down into the mine and listen to it sing all day. And if they didn't hear the canary sing, someone went over to see if the bird was okay because it's much more sensitive to methane leaks that humans can't smell. Methane and carbon monoxide. Um, humans can't smell it, but if the bird had fell, fall down dead in the cage, they blow a whistle and everybody gets out of there immediately yeah. because there's a gas leak. And so that's the canary in the coal mine. And our brain is the canary in the coal mine for what's happening in our world today. And I mean, this is heavy stuff. It's, it's yeah. not light, but for people that want to be healthy, you want to be vibrant and dynamic in your 70s and 80s and 90s, you know, and, and have a body that's functioning for you well. You've got to look at these things to nip it in the bud before it gets so bad that you're having symptoms. I talked about autoimmune and so many people don't know. You, when you spoke to my doctors, you gave them the percentages of autoimmune um, with some of these uh, reactive proteins. Um, I believe it was 46% of people with wheat sensitivity uh, have autoimmune. Uh, right. Um, 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 I did a study of 316 people. Every person that came in got this one test from me and uh, from age two to 90, and it was 316 people and they all got the test. 68% of them had elevated antibodies to wheat. If they had elevated antibodies to wheat, 26% of them had elevated antibodies to their cerebellum in the brain. Mm. 22% of those that had elevated antibodies to wheat had elevated antibodies to myelin. That's the saran wrap that coats your nerves right. in your brain. So it was 22 to 26% of everyone with a problem with wheat had elevated antibodies to one of those two brain tissue. The other study that I, I believe you're referring to was, yes, um, they looked at... Um, a uh, hundred and I think it was 140 people, I think so. Uh, but if they had elevated antibodies to wheat, 64% of them had elevated antibodies to one of six different brain tissues. In my study, I looked at two brain tissues. In this one, they looked at six and 64% of them had elevated antibodies to their brain. If you had elevated antibodies to wheat, it was in the 40 percentile, I don't remember the exact number, had elevated antibodies to their heart. So they had inflammation in their heart with or without symptoms. It just depends on, see, when you have elevated antibodies, by definition, you're killing off more tissue than you're making. Right. When you look at the antibody test for your thyroid or for any of your tissue, there's a normal reference range. This is patient, you have an entire new body every seven years, every cell in your body regenerates, some really quick, some really slow. Well, how does that happen? 
you have to get rid of the old and damaged cells to make room for the new cells. And so when you do a blood test looking for your antibodies to your own cells, you know, your thyroid, your brain, your heart, there's a normal reference range. With thyroid, it's usually 42, depends on the lab. So if you're at 30, 36 antibodies that are attacking your thyroid, you're in the normal range. And what, what that means is you're making as many new cells as you're losing. But when you have elevated antibodies, by definition, you're killing off more cells than you're making. And that's where predictive autoimmunity tests come in because you're looking to see, am I killing off more brain cells than I'm making right now? Or am I killing off more joint cells than I'm making right now? Because as you do that, eventually that tissue can't work right anymore. And eventually you start getting some symptoms and then wow. eventually the symptoms get worse. You go to the doctor, they don't know what's wrong. They give you a drug, helps a little bit, not too much, but eventually you get a diagnosis of an autoimmune disease. And it's been going on for years beforehand. That's the value of predictive autoimmunity. And in this world today, I think where most of us should start is with the NeuroZoomer Plus to look for antibodies to your brain. Yeah, yeah, great, <clears throat> great uh, idea. You know, most people are getting an ANA done, which is, uh, you can explain it exactly, but looking at your, your body, to, once it gets to the point where it's attacking your own cell, particularly the nucleus of the cell, kind of explain that because, you know, by the time the ANA is off, you could be attacking so many other tissues, but you know, who wants your body attacking your nucleus of your cell? <laughs> right, right. Well, how come the immune system's attacking the core center, the nucleus of the cells? How come? It's because that's where toxins can go and get buried deep in your body. Yes. And now you've got what's called a neoepitope. It's a foreign substance that's the binding of your own tissue with this toxic substance. Yes. A really easy way of understanding that, just Google BPA. Many people know about that, that chemical in plastic bottles and things. Just Google BPA and thyroid. And there's lots of studies how BPA can accumulate in your thyroid and your immune system attacks that damaged cell with that foreign substance on it. And now you're killing off more thyroid cells because of BPA on it, but now you make more thyroid antibodies to get rid of the damaged thyroid cell. And that whole cycle keeps going and eventually you get thyroid autoimmune disease. ANA is the nucleus of the cell. What cell? Any cell, every cell. It's going after the nucleus of the cell. That's where mercury goes. That's where some of these toxic chemicals go way into the nucleus. And it's, it's some, depending on the study, I was just looking at this yesterday, a presentation I'm uh, doing next in two months in Lisbon, and I'm putting some final touches on it. It depends on the study you read. There's uh, between 20 to 28% of healthy people have elevated antibodies to ANA, but they've got no diagnosis of a problem. 20 to 28% of everybody. It means one out of five. Would they see uh, an ANA, uh, anti-nuclear antibodies raised on a blood test? Right, it's easy, it's simple, it's inexpensive. Uh, it doesn't tell you much, except that your immune system's attacking your own tissue or uh, the nucleus of your cells. And Which causes your DNA. In, in the 1960s, that test was first used and seen with connective tissue diseases like lupus and scleroderma and rheumatoid arthritis. 
But, and so really only rheumatologists use that test in the 1960s and 1970s, but now every discipline uses that test because you see so many other autoimmune diseases with elevated ANA. And it's because of the thyroid example, you'll, you'll develop thyroid autoimmune disease. So 20 to 28% of healthy people have elevated antibodies to ANA. When they followed these people for three years, within three years, 87% of them, they followed 411 people, 87% of them had developed an autoimmune disease within three years. They had elevated ANA antibodies, but they were fine. Just, and their doctor said, well, you're, everything else looks okay. I guess let's just keep an eye on this. Let's watch it. Well, what are they watching for? They're watching for enough tissue to be damaged and now you get diagnosed with rheumatoid or lupus or something, but 87%, that's almost nine out of 10 people with elevated ANA antibodies develop an autoimmune disease within three years. Scary, but yet, well, we'll just watch it. <laughs> like watch it. it, it's, you're pretty much, you're guaranteed to have the symptom um, within three years, that's pretty scary. Yeah, I mean, that, that's crazy. Look, right, you know, so so what, what, what people need to take away from that is that if you have elevated antibodies, what do you do? You know, say, well, okay, what do I do? You go back to Harvard Medical School, what they're teaching now is the five yeah. pillars. Where's the inflammation coming from? So, okay, is it mercury? Is that the environmental trigger? Is it petrochemicals because, or is it cosmetics because you're a beautician? You've been a beautician for 25 years with your hands in this stuff and your smell in this stuff all day, every day. You just have to go, is it mold in your house? You just have yeah. to go back and investigate where is it coming from? Hidden infection, we see it all the time, right? You know, right. Uh, heavy metals and, you know, and again, if we don't deal with the stressors, we're not gonna turn down the gene. We're not right. gonna fix the microbiome, right? That's it's, cool. Uh, cool. It's, you know, it's amazing. Basically, this is what they're they're teaching at Harvard. Pretty pretty fascinating. You know, the it, it, the question always has to be discussed um, that most people are asking, like they're thinking of this. You know, it's like, well, you know, even in my generation growing up, right, we didn't have these problems, right. So what changed, right? So if we're dealing with wheat, we're dealing with grain, we're dealing with a lot of these proteins. What changed? Let's examine that a little bit. I mean, of course, you know, I know some of the things that change, but I know a lot of viewers right now are asking the question, why is this now a problem? Right. My parents ate wheat all the time. You know, I, I grew up on wheat and I'm half Italian, Yeah, right? As you are. Right. Uh, I don't know if you're half or more, but you're also Italian. You're a Cucina, right? Uh, uh, so what changed? And that I, I go to the journal pediatrics for that arguably the most prestigious journal about children's health in the English language. And they published a policy statement. A policy statement is not uh, an individual author that did some research and publishes it, scores to be published in a top tier journal. A policy statement comes from the board of the American Academy of Pediatrics, meaning they want everybody to know this. And what did they say? They said that the Toxic Substance Control Act failed miserably to protect our children, and then parentheses and adults, failed 
that, and what it comes down to, it's 247 pounds of chemicals are manufactured or imported into the United States per person per day, every single day, almost 250 pounds per person. So that when children are born, and we both know this study really well from the Environmental Working Group, they took 10 children and they checked them for all these toxic chemicals in the umbilical cord blood at birth. And they found that there were 280 chemicals in these kids' blood that are not supposed to be there. And many of them are neurotoxins, 280. Because mom, and people aren't gonna like to hear this, but too bad, you need to get it. Mom is a walking sewage dump. Mom doesn't know the chemicals that have been accumulating in their body for 25, 30 years, and then they get pregnant. Mom doesn't know. Mom thinks that she's fine. It's okay to put nail polish on your 10 little fingers and 10 little toes when you're five years old and do it every week. Now you're 30 and you're married and you get pregnant, but you don't know that the phthalates, the, the chemicals used to mold plastic, are in nail polish. They're in your bloodstream in four to five minutes. But there's no evidence that the amount of phthalates that leach out of nail polish into your bloodstream is toxic to humans. And that's how they got away with it with the Toxic Substance Control Act. There's no they evidence. The senators, they paid them off to pass this legislation that has no teeth. You have to prove that that amount of chemical that gets into your body is gonna cause a disease. And it doesn't, it doesn't, but it's accumulative in your body. So give me 25 years of these tiny little amounts. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what happens? Here's an example of what happens. This is too good to not tell you. 2016, a paper came out published in Chicago, 346 pregnant women, eighth month of pregnancy. They collected the urine and they measured five phthalates, chemicals used to mold plastic including BPA. Now, there are many phthalates. They just measure five in these women in the eighth month of pregnancy. How much is in their urine? And they categorize them into fourths, the lowest, the next, the third, and the highest fourth. They followed the offspring of these pregnancies for seven years. When the children turned seven years old, they did Wexler IQ tests on the official IQ test. This is what they found. Every child whose mother was in the highest quartile of phthalates and urine in pregnancy because this stuff had accumulated in her body over a lifetime, every child compared to the children whose mothers were in the lowest quartile of phthalates and urine in pregnancy, every child here, their IQ was seven points lower, seven points. And you know that doesn't mean anything to anyone until you understand one point difference in IQ is noticeable. A seven point difference is a difference between a child working really hard, getting straight A's, yep. and a child working really hard, getting straight C's. This child doesn't have a chance in hell Try. of ever excelling in school. Then, last point to this, just go to Google and type in phthalates and neurogenesis, meaning nerve growth. Yeah. And here come all the studies, how phthalates inhibit nerve growth in the brain. But these and these moms didn't know that they're walking sewage dumps. They didn't know. And their baby's brain never developed properly. Yeah. 
That's one example of hundreds of examples. So I mean, what you're saying is to detox. Yeah, we're saying hulak at, this is what I preach, right? They accumulate, I do a talk called generational toxicity for that reason. Genes get turned on, right? But also another big correlation that uh, Stephanie Seneff made, she was one of the first to make the connection of what changed in, it started, started in the 80s, but really ramped in the late 90s, 2000s is the chemical glyphosate, which by the way, all of these stored toxins generationally end up crossing even deeper into the brain, you know, disrupting, you know, everything from the microbiome, you know, the, the brain connection, right? And thereby, she believes even making us more sensitive. Um, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But yeah. What, what we know is that those chemicals, glyphosate, um, uh, kills the good bacteria in the gut, and it fuels the bad bacteria in the gut. And 36% of all the molecules in your bloodstream, 36% are the metabolites, or I call it the exhaust, of the bacteria in your gut. 36% of everything in the bloodstream are messengers from the bacteria in your gut going to your brain to tell your brain how many nerve hormones called neurotransmitters to make, going to your heart to control your heart rhythm, going to your liver to control your detox, I'm going to every tissue of your body. These messengers are coming from you know, who's boss, right? You want to know who's boss in the human body? It's not your brain. It's your gut. That's why it's called the second brain, right? Is that these metabolites in the gut from if you've got dysbiosis, number three of the five pillars being taught at Harvard, if you've got dysbiosis, it sends these messages through the leaky gut. The metabolite of all these bad guys are more dominant than the good guys. And yeah. so the message is an inflammatory message turning up the genes of inflammation in your body. And so that's why if there's only one thing you're going to do, only one thing to be healthy for you and your family, build a healthy, diverse microbiome most important of anything in terms of getting more bang for your buck. And by you the way, that. you and I would argue that's impossible without dealing with some of these environmental issues. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Well, we'll, we'll see. The, it, it's a lead-in question. So you say, how do I build a healthy microbiome? Well, you have to learn about the environmental issues that are causing the bad microbiome. Absolutely. Right? It's the three-legged stool. Every leg has to be there. Yeah, all You have to deal with all of it. You know, it's my whole multi-therapeutic approach that I teach doctors is built around this five pillars, which I put in a three-legged stool, right? right? Just a couple of the pillars there are the microbiome, the leaky gut, right? And the immune response, you know, um, but fact is, is, is Tom, you know, this is what is really causing people not to feel well, despite exercise, changing their diet, blah, blah, you know, you can just fill in the blank after that. You know, but we have to deal with the causes, but these hidden proteins, you know, are a causative factor. Tom, I wish we had more time because we can unpeel this further. We need a part two um, where maybe we'll actually look at one of the tests, have you look at one of the tests uh, for us. But, uh, you know, let's take a look at some of these proteins that you may be reacting to, um, you know, whereas people are, it's in vogue to test your genes uh, for SNPs and it's in vogue just to test your stool for bacteria. I think this test is better.
honestly. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. I, I fully agree. And so, uh, so what's the takeaway here today for people? I hope the takeaway is that I stimulate you to be a skeptic. A skeptic says, I'm not sure I quite understand that and I buy that. I'm going to look into it a little further. A cynic is one that says, oh, that's a bunch of hogwash. I'm not going to waste my time with that. Or, oh, no, I can't learn any of that. I'm not going to waste my time. Baby steps. You just learn baby steps, one yeah. step at a time, right? Yeah. And then you move forward with it. So learning a little more about this concept. And I'll tell you two ways. I'll do a, a selfless promotion here. I've got two books out there. One's called The Autoimmune Fix won the National Book Award because it's a really good book. I'm so proud of it. The other is called You Can Fix Your Brain. Yeah. And that's number one in seven categories on Amazon for brain function. Uh, it's, um, they're both great books that explain all these principles, you know, pulling on the chain and, and uh, the inflammation and gasoline on the fire and where does it come from and nail polish and Tupperware container, you know, all that kind of stuff is in these books. And if you read these books, then you're going to come back to Dr. Pampa's um, podcast and you say, I, he talked about, he talked about something like that. You go back and look for it. You're going to go back and listen to it again with listening with deeper understanding of the what to do next. That's right. That's right. And I don't, you know, look, we have a lot of doctors that watch this show too. Is there a way we can attach your new paper uh, as a link? to view that or is that not available yet? no of course yeah i'd be happy to i'll send i'll send you the link as soon as we're off here so that you can post it and right and, uh, it's a it's a free it's a free uh free press so no. you bet you right. bet yeah well we'll attach it all uh tom thank you thank you for your efforts thank you for your hard work and thank you for living in costa rica where it gives us all a goal to where we're gonna <laughs> maybe have to go <laughs> no thanks Dr. it's always great oh, to yeah. you. you know, I feel like I've got a, uh, a professional brother uh, at you, you, you and I can sit over a bottle of wine at night and just download to each other. It's, I didn't know that. Really, tell me more about that one. Yeah, right? no, it's uh, we've done that and uh, we're going to do more because I'm coming to Costa Rica. That's so I uh, love it. Appreciate it, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to one of our sponsors, Cyto Defend. Look, at a time like this, I think that our immune system and keeping our immune system up right now is more important than ever. I can also tell you that I pay attention to the things that keep my immune system on par and healthy. So, so glad that Cytodefend is one of our sponsors here on Cell TV, and it's a product that I use, my family uses, and hopefully you'll check it out. And by the way, you can check it out with the link right here below. If you wanna try a free bottle, you can actually get a free bottle, just pay the shipping, and I think you'll reorder after that, but check it out. If you're listening to this podcast and want to access the amazing CytoDefend product Dr. Pampa just mentioned, please visit freeimmunity.com. Again, that's freeimmunity.com. Well, that's it for this week. The materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you would like to purchase some of the supplements mentioned on this show, please visit the site 
as seen on chtv.com and use the code chtv15 for 15% off. Again, that's as seen on chtv.com. Use the code chtv15 for 15% off. And as always, thanks for listening.